0: All right, no one else, I'm going to read from Psalm 66 today. Psalm 66 is for the director of music, a song, a psalm. Psalm 66 says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praise of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Now that was the same song we read last week. It was supposed to be 67 today, but apparently I didn't get that into the computer. But we needed to uh, hear that one again, I guess. So we come here to uh, worship the Lord that this song was just talking about. We're going to do that today. We're going to do it through some songs. First, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.
1: You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high, your Nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus, you didn't want him. shield and portion be as long as life i de...
2: Be seated.
3: My oh my, that was some good stuff there. Whoo! Glory to God, He's coming back. I'm looking forward to it. Want to see Him one of these days? See Him as He is. You now, I was talking to somebody last week about uh, about why we have to die. We all got to go, right? And the reason we all have to die is. Because the wages of sin, the Bible says, is, is death. Wages. You guys know what wages are, right? If you work 40 hours a week, come the end of the week, you want what? You want to get paid. And that's what you're going to get for, for sinning. You're going to have to die. Go by the way of the grave. That's one way of, of, of dying. But when we, we don't know Jesus, we're, we're separated. We're already dead. We're already dead in our trespasses and sin. But I was thinking about that, and I was thinking that I always thought that Jesus, he didn't have to die because he didn't commit no sins. He wasn't no sin in him, right? So then I got to the scripture where it says that God hath made him sin for us, so that we may we might be the, made the righteousness of God in him, and that's why we get to be righteous. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. He died for us. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. He became sin. And I was thinking, he became sin. He became every old foul thing that God, that the man has ever perpetrated on fellow man. He became all that. He became all that junk that you could ever dream up. He became that. And that day... The wrath of God was satisfied, and it pleased God. I don't know how all that works, but it pleased God that He took upon Himself all our sin. That's something to think about, and that's why we take communion, is we look back and 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 remember what Jesus did the day He died. Uh, we take the the bread He broke broke the bread and said take this, this is my body is broken for you and he took the cup and he said this is my blood in the New Testament as often as you do this you do show the Lord's death till he come and that's what we do here today is we remembering what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and he's he's coming back one of these days and are you ready to meet him that's the thing, and God took His took took our sins upon upon Him through Christ, and that's what the world needs to know. They don't need to know who won the last, who won the next football. Who's going to win the next football game? They need to know that. And I think the world don't they don't they don't. You see all the people that you know that don't know God that don't care nothing about God. This is the only thing that that that, that, that they need is to know Jesus and the love of God. That's what they need to know get them out of this mess that we're in. So let's take communion today. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this day you've given us to live for you. We thank you, Lord, for being here in this little service. We ask you, Lord, to show up in this little service, Lord God, as we we remember what Jesus did on the cross. And we'll thank you for it. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said...
2: Good morning. And now is the time in the service for announcements. Um, we're always collecting empty pill bottles um, for donate, donations for Matthew 25 Ministries. They use them for various things locally and across the world. We are also collecting used ink cartridges, so it should help cut down on your trash costs, but help us reduce the office supply costs here at the church. Food Pantry closed Closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. If you're interested in coming by to serve or drop off donations, see what we do, we'd love to have you. ReFit is a free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 to 7.30. Mellon Ridge Nursing Home Church Ministry is the fourth Sunday of the month at 2 p.m., which normally would be today, but we um, took a day off to have church cleanup day. So if you're able to stay, we'd love to have you. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Um, Breakfast fellowship is the first Sunday of the month. Ruth, first Sunday. (laughs) Um, If you have any questions or want to bring something in, you're welcome to do that. Empty Nestor's Bible study, uh, going through a book based on the Ten Commandments, is Thursdays at 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house. And this is today, September 25th, immediately following service, we'll have a quick lunch and then we'll start the church cleanup. <coughs> Excuse me. Area Christian Women's Fellowship dinner is uh, Thursday, October twentieth. Um, it's hosted at Felicity Christian Church, which is a little drive. Um, we will be carpooling from here, so there's more information um, on the back welcome table. Fifteen dollars for the pasta dinner, and paid reservations need to be made to Sharon Ponchot by next Sunday, October second. Tithes and offerings can be given in person, also given online at the website there weekly budgets listed here. And these are just some of the few uh, ministries that we support through giving. Um, real quick, a couple new things. Um, the Goshen Homecoming Parade, if you'd like to ride on the trailer, come decorate or bring candy, um, these red flyers, they're out on the table. Tells you when to come uh, for the decorating, what time the parade starts, where to be um, and what to wear. So if you have any questions, my number's on there also. And this purple form is for October events. So you'll start to see a monthly calendar printed, because I know not everybody gets online. Um, But it has a couple of things. Um, Food and fellowship um, that we've been having every other Wednesday night is now going to be here once a month. Um, So that is on here. Uh, The s'mores night, s'mores memories for Goshen Community is going to be held here on October 16th. Um, So just some things listed on here. Just grab one, take it with you. Thank you so much.
0: All righty. So today we're going to continue our series in Colossians. So let's turn together our Bibles. We're going to go to Colossians 2 today. Colossians 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Colossians 2, 1 through 4. And when you find Colossians 2, 1 through 4 in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is Fight for One Another in Prayer. Colossians 2, 1, 2 1 through 4, the scriptures say, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to say some words, and I want you to notice the first thoughts that come to your mind as I say these words. Contending, fighting, struggling, working hard, agonizing. Now, how many of you were thinking about marriage as I said those words? Now, marriage was probably not the first thing that those words brought to your mind. And prayer is probably not the first thing you thought about either. You know, I often hear prayer described as a constant conversation between us and God. And there is some truth in that. That we can't have a constant conversation with God as we go about our daily lives. But scriptural prayer is much more than having a conversation with God. Prayer is warfare. When we pray, we enter a spiritual battle for our souls and the souls of others. In today's passage, Paul talks about how he struggled and fought and went to war in prayer for God's people. And that's just the type of prayer life that God God calls every one of his people to be engaged in. So today we'll talk about a few things that we should focus on in prayer as we learn to fight for one another in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, it is such a privilege to have your precious words. We ask you to open our understanding so we may fully comprehend the truths you want to teach us. Bring our understanding in line with the faith you once for all entrusted to the saints, and help us live out that faith through your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the saints in Colossae had heard the true gospel. They learned it from Epaphras who was a faithful minister of Paul. Sorry, a faithful minister of Jesus on Paul's behalf. Now, the saints at Colossae had truly understood God's grace. They had embraced the true faith. They were living out that faith. And they were bearing the fruits of the faith as they obeyed the commands of the Lord Jesus. And then the test came. Their faithfulness to the apostolic faith that they had been taught was being tested by false teachers. And they needed to fight for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And although Paul had never met most of the people in Colossae, well, Paul wants them to know they're not alone in this fight. Paul's already been fighting for them since the very first day he heard about their faith in Christ. And Paul tells us how he was fighting in Colossians 1.9. He says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So the weapon of warfare that Paul wielded in his fight for God's people was the mighty weapon of prayer. Paul continually asked God to fill God's people with a complete comprehension of God's will through the wisdom and the understanding the Holy Spirit gives us. Now, Paul's not praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal something new to God's people. No, everything Paul says in his letter and all of Paul's prayers were focused on helping God's people cling to fully understand, and fight for what they'd already been taught, which was the apostolic faith. And notice in Colossians 2.1, Paul tells them how intense his fight for them was. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. And in Colossians 1.29, Paul says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So through the divine energy of Christ working powerfully in him, Paul was strenuously and continuously contending, fighting very hard and focused, intense, agonizing prayer for God's people to stand firm in the faith. And this is the same prayer life, the same fight God calls all of his saints to engage in, God expects all of us to fight for one another. Notice, I did not say God expects us to fight with one another. It seems to be uh, some new translation that the modern church has come up with, right? We fight with each other, not for each other. Anyway, no, God expects us to fight for one another, and not with worldly weapons, not with guns and grenades, not with flamethrowers or fists. No, God calls us to fight for one another with a weapon. Of prayer. Now, Paul was very serious about prayer. He was especially serious about prayer for God's people. Paul knew the power of prayer. Paul knew that when people pray, we're not just speaking words into the air that no one hears. No, the prayers of God's people are powerful and effective. The prayers of God's people can move mountains. The prayers of God's people can change outcomes. The fervent prayers of God's people rise up to the throne of the almighty God who promises to answer us when we pray according to his will. And one of my favorite Bible verses is Hebrews 4.16. There we find this incredible invitation for every child of God. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we pray, we come close to the glorious throne of Almighty God, and the glorious God who lives in unapproachable light bends His ear to hear the prayers of His people. At God's throne, we drink deeply from the fountain of God's marvelous mercy and His abundant grace. At God's throne, we find a gracious Heavenly Father who cares for us and will meet our needs and the needs of those for whom we pray. Paul knew this. Paul believed this. So Paul prayed constantly and confidently as he fought for God's people. And in Colossians 2, 2 and 3, Paul tells us exactly why he was fighting for God's people through prayer. He says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I've already said that the Colossian church had been taught the true faith. They had accepted the true faith, and they were living out the true faith. The true faith is the teachings and practices that Christ gave to his apostles, who then handed those teachings and practices down to the saints in the church. And this is what we call the apostolic faith But some from among the Colossians started to say, the truths the apostles taught, well, that's not enough. There's something more that we need. There's this hidden secret wisdom and knowledge that God did not reveal to the apostles. According to these false teachers, God was now revealing something new to a select few people in the church. And they claim that God's people now had to have these additional teachings, this additional understanding, added add this to the, the, aposto- the apostolic faith in order to truly understand God, in order to truly understand what God wants for us, and in order to walk in God's will. And as you, as you can imagine, well, that kind of teaching could discourage some people and lead them away from the true faith. So Paul was constantly and agonizingly praying that God's people may be encouraged in heart and united in love, united in love for the truth so that they can, fully, they can be fully assured that they have the full riches of complete understanding and what they've already been taught by the apostles. So they can have the full assurance that in the faith they've been taught, they had the fullness of wisdom and knowledge. So they can be fully assured that the apostolic faith is God's completed revelation. As Paul says in Colossians 1, 25-26, I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed or revealed to the Lord's people. See, in the Word of God, or in the message the apostles preached, we find God's full and completed Revelation the truths taught by the apostles are the true faith and the completed faith that was handed down once for all to the saints in the church. Nothing needs to be added to the apostolic faith. Because it's through that faith that we come to a complete knowledge of God's will. It's through that faith that we learn to live lives that please God in every way. So to combat the false teachers who said that we need this additional revelation from God to learn to live lives that please God, Paul prayed that God would encourage the hearts of his people and unite them in a love for the truth of the revelation they'd already received. As Paul says in Colossians 1, 9 through 10, we've already read this, we'll read it again. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Now the word, the Greek word behind the word knowledge here is epigenosim. And what that word means is talking about a knowledge. And this is the word that the Gnostics use, which the people that we're dealing with here in, in Colossae were early Gnostics. That's where we get the word Gnostic from, or genosis, you know, we get that from this, this word for knowledge. And what this word means, it means to come to understand and be assured that something is true and valid. So Paul prayed that through the Holy Spirit, God's people would come to completely understand, to be completely assured that all the wisdom and knowledge they need about God, all the wisdom and knowledge they need in how to live for God is found in the apostolic faith. And this is the same thing that Paul said to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5. Paul says this, we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, the gospel, the the message of the apostles, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. See, the Holy Spirit helped these people to understand that what the apostles were saying was the truth. That's what Paul's praying for in Colossians 2, 2 the Holy Spirit did and still does what Jesus said he would do in John's gospel. He led the apostles into all truth. And the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth by giving us the assurance that the message, the gospel of Christ preached by the apostles is the truth. So again, this is what Paul's praying for in Colossians 2.2. 2. He kept praying that God would encourage the hearts of his people through the Holy Spirit, strengthen their hearts through the Holy Spirit, to have a love for, and to keep believing the only truth that can save them, the only truth that can truly lead them to God. Paul kept praying for them to stand firm in God's will by continuing in the faith they were taught and not be led astray by harmful heresies that these false teachers had introduced into the church. And in our fight with one another in prayer, we need to pray the same thing. You know, there's only one faith. There's only one way to the Father. We must go through Jesus. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. Now, I don't think there's a Christian person or anybody who claims to be Christian on the planet who does not know that verse. But here's the question. How do we get to the Father through Jesus? How do we get to the Father through Jesus? We got to come through Jesus. How does that happen? Well, we get to the Father through Jesus... By believing, believing and living out the one faith that was given to Jesus by the Father, the faith that Jesus then gave to his apostles, the faith the apostles handed down to the saints in the church. So back to that question, how do we get to the Father through Jesus? Well, it's by embracing and living out the apostolic faith that was taught, that Jesus gave to his apostles and he taught to the church. It's only by embracing and living out the apostolic faith that anyone can be brought back to God the Father. So let's keep praying that God's people may be assured in our hearts of this one truth. Let's keep praying that God's people would be united in love of the one truth. Because when God's people are encouraged in heart and united in love of the truth, we experience what Paul expected God's people to experience as a result of his prayers. In Colossians 2.2, Paul says, We will know the mystery of God namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I've already talked a little bit about this, but Paul here is using the false teachers' own language against them. I've already said they had a fascination with finding mysteries only they could see in God's word. And they were very big on hidden wisdom and hidden knowledge. They went on and on about things they could see but others could not see. As Paul says in Colossians 2:18, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. So they went looking for something in the Word of God that was never there. And they always found it. They found what they wanted to find because they're puffed up by their unspiritual minds. So Paul says, To fight against the, or what Paul does to fight against these errors, Paul reminds the church about the only mystery, the only wisdom and the only knowledge that matter. Paul says God's mystery is Christ. God's true wisdom and God's true knowledge are hidden in Christ, but those mysteries have been revealed in the church. So we're not looking for hidden wisdom anymore. We don't need to look for that, it's been revealed to us. In Christ, in the church, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, everything we ever need to know about God and how to do his will, we'll find that in the church. It's only through knowing Christ through the church that we gain all the treasures of true wisdom and true knowledge. And Paul says all of this to encourage God's people, to encourage the Colossians and to encourage us to hang in there, right? You're on the right path. And through the faith you were taught, you have everything you need. Because through the faith, you have Christ, and when you have Christ, you have everything. Don't fall for the fine-sounding arguments of false teachers. Just keep the faith. just keep living in the truth. Keep holding on to Christ. Keep living with Christ as your Lord. because in Christ you have all the treasures of true wisdom and true knowledge. See, we don't need to look elsewhere. We don't need to seek something hidden. All we need to know about God and how to live to please him has been revealed in the mystery of Christ and can be found in the church. So Paul agonized in persistent prayer for the saints to recognize those truths, and we need to do the same thing. Now, Paul was not the only person who prayed in this way for the saints. Paul tells us about another person in Colossians who prayed the same way. In Colossians 4, 12 through 13, Paul tells us how a man named Epaphras prayed for God's people, the same man who had preached the gospel to the saints in Colossae. Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Notice this word again, the word assured. He says it again, being assured that what, he, what they taught is truth. And then Paul goes on to say, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Notice those words. Always wrestling in prayer for you. Working hard for you in prayer. So just like Paul, Epaphras fought for God's people as he agonized in prayer. Just like Paul, Epaphras was praying that the saints may stand firm in all the will of God. Mature and fully assured that the faith they'd already been taught was the only faith they needed to know to do God's will. Epaphras fought hard as he constantly prayed for God's people to stand firm in the one true faith. And that's the kind of prayer both Paul and Epaphras were were constantly engaged in. And that's the kind of prayer we all need to be engaged in as we fight for one another. As we close, I want us to think about several questions today's passage should prompt us to ask ourselves. Are we concerned about God's people being fully assured that the apostolic faith is all we need to know to do God's will? Are we concerned about God's people becoming mature in Christ? Well, if so, then are we concerned enough to fight for one another in prayer, to engage in this wrestling match that all of us should be involved in as we struggle for God's people to understand the truth? Are we willing to follow the examples of Paul and Epaphras and continually contend for God's people in prayer? Now, both Paul and Epaphras were leaders in the church, And praying for God's people is built into our job description. The leaders of the church are to devote ourselves fully to prayer and the ministry of the word. But the call to pray for God's people is not just the work of church leaders. It's a work that we're all called to engage in. And leaders are merely examples to the flock. And this is why in Colossians 4, 2 through 3, Paul encourages all the saints to devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And then he says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, the same message we've been talking about this whole time, the mystery of Christ, to let people know that this is the way to God. This is the the new the the only revelation anybody needs has come through Christ. He says, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Prayer is the work of all God's people. We're all to be devoted to prayer. That's a command. Devote yourselves to prayer. To be devoted to something means that we spend a ton of time doing it. How many of us are devoted to anything in our lives? We've got a lot of devotion, right? Devoted to, maybe it's uh, watching TV. Devoted to a certain career. Devoted to all the sports, whatever it is. We're devoted to all these things. Well, God wants us to be devoted to prayer. See, we're a kingdom of priests. What do priests do? Well, priests pray for God's people to love the truth and to do God's will. If we're not praying, we're not devoted to prayer, then we're not fulfilling our obligations as a royal priesthood. So if we're not there, what should we do? Just give up and say, I can never pray like God wants me to pray. Is that what we should do? No, it's time to repent. We turn away from our behavior that's leading us away from the things God wants us to do. We study God's word so we know his will for our lives, right? God's will for all of us is that we devote ourselves to prayer. So let's make sure that we do what God has called us to do. We live the life that God has called us to live. Let's make up our minds right now that through God's grace, through God's divine energy at work in us, we're going to engage in this fight for one another in prayer. This is going to be our daily thing. This is what we're looking forward to every day. I'm going to get in this fight. I'm going to go over here and wrestle for uh, God's people in prayer. See, right here where you're sitting, ask God to give you the will, the ability and the discipline to devote yourself to fighting in prayer for God's people, fighting for them to stand firm in the faith. We talk about division in the church all the time, right? The reason we're divided, so divided in the church, or people who call themselves Christians so divided, is because we don't know the true faith. Some people know it, some people don't, but we've lumped everybody in the same boat. It's time we get away from that. Everybody who claims to be a Christian out here cannot be right, okay? Okay? Is the Spirit the Spirit of truth? That's what Jesus said, right? He is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit will lead people into truth. So if we're saying two different things about Jesus, then we can't be speaking the same truth. Is that correct? What we need is to pray for God's people to understand, truly understand the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints in the church, not just for us, but for everybody to understand that same truth. And it's through that that we become united in the body of Christ. So we need to make up our minds that we're going to engage in this wrestling match, fight for God's people to come to the the knowledge of that truth. And then don't make it complicated. Just go and do it. Don't say, is this the right word? Is that the right thing? How am I supposed to do it? What's my posture? Should I lay down? Should I kneel down? Just go and do it. I don't think we treat anything in our lives like we do prayer. Like It's the hardest thing in the world. Anything else that you want to do, you just go and do it basically, right? That's what we should do with prayer. Just pray. You don't need anything fancy. And if you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. You can pray that thing all day long if you want to. Pray it all day long. At least it teaches you how to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. That's what he said. This is how you're supposed to pray. Anyway, if you're a child of God, then you're a priest of the Most High God. Listen to this again. If you're a child of God, you're a priest of the Most High God. And the fact that no one is excited about that shows us we have zero clue what the Lord wants for us. We're God's priest. We're here to intercede on behalf of the entire world. We can change the world through our prayers. God calls his priests to fight for his people in prayer. So let's all answer that call. And we can know that God never calls us to to do anything that we cannot do through his power. So let's all make up our minds that we're going to devote ourselves to prayer. And let's start with the prayers of Paul and Epaphras. Let's pray that God's people may be encouraged in heart. Let's pray that God's people may be united in love for the truth revealed by the apostles. And let's pray that God's people may be fully assured and stand firm in all God's will and become fully mature in Christ by living out the faith of the apostles. Today, tomorrow, and every day, every day for the rest of our lives, let's fight for one another in prayer. Let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your people, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the privilege we have as priests to pray for your people. Lord, help us to see the seriousness of the responsibility you've placed on all of us. Through your grace, give us the will to pray, give us the ability to pray, and give us the discipline to pray. Lord, encourage the hearts of your people. Unite us all in love of the apostolic faith. Fully assure us of the truths of that faith and help us to stand firm in your will as we become fully mature in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so they're going to sing a final song. While they do that, I want to invite you, if you want to pray, you're welcome to come forward. People will be up here to pray with you if you would like that. If not, you can just step to the side and pray by yourself. If you need healing, we invite you to come forward for that as well. If you're sick in your body, whatever it is. If you have some kind of sin in your life that you want to get rid of, you can come forward and get rid of that too. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. We invite you to do that. Um, yeah, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all, and then they're going to sing this final song. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice trembles at his voice